listening to Stark Contrast, a Game of Thrones podcast and movie fail. My name is Soren Howe, and I'm here with Josh Rosenfield. And today we are discussing Eastwatch, which is the fifth episode of season seven of Game of Thrones. So, yeah, uh, this was, as I mentioned last episode, this is sort of like a second part, or some people viewed it as a second part to the previous episode. Um, which I kind of see uh, in some ways. In other ways, I feel like this is a middle part, so perhaps not. Um, yeah, no, I feel like this is the part one to just based on the the cliffhanger. The cliffhanger of this episode is is a more significant one than the cliffhanger of the last episode. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, um, I feel like the cliffhanger of last episode was not as not as big as the cliffhanger to this episode. This definitely feels like a part one. Um, that that we'll follow up with uh, more next week. Although you know, obviously on a on a serialized show, um, everything kind of flows into each other. Of but course, yeah. Yeah, this is. I think too many things are introduced in this episode to really call it uh, a part two in any way. Yeah, I think people were calling it that largely because Matt Shackman, who directed the last episode, also directed this episode. So maybe that's that's the logic. I think I think maybe he thinks of it like that just because of you know. He directed both of them, mm-hmm, right? <laughs> and I'm sure it it might feel like that when you're uh, working on to these two back to back episodes, right? Yeah, and I, I I suspect that's the case. And in some ways, there were some conclusions to what happened in the last episode follow up, um, but yeah, it just sort of feels like a continuation. Um, but broadly speaking, before we get into the details of the episode, how did you feel about it overall? Uh, I really liked it. Um, really? <laughs> I uh oh. <laughs> I that doesn't sound good. I, I didn't dis I didn't like hate it um or anything, but uh, a lot of the reactions that I've that I've come across have not been super positive. So it was just it was interesting that you really yeah I haven't seen that at all. Oh really? Hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah, I thought this was this had a lot of Game of Thrones is, has always been a show of moments, um, and I think this episode had a lot of good moments in it, more so than you know like. Especially in, like, those bad middle years, you would have episodes which were clearly just, like, a bunch of kind of fluff surrounding this one big, oh, the thing people are going to... Like, we've t- we talked about this when we were covering those seasons. Like, how would those... They always felt like episodes were built around the one thing that people would be talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? definitely. And everything else just ended up kind of feeling, like, extraneous. Um, this episode has a lot of really... I mean, not stuff that's designed to be talked about, but a lot of stuff that I really enjoyed and found uh, that I remembered the next day, which doesn't always happen with this show. Mm. Um, so yeah, I thought it was really solid. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we'll we'll get into the, the discussion of the actual episode and and, uh, and dig into it a little bit more. Um, I... It, it's, it's weird to discuss because it, it feels like the criticism is that it doesn't feel. Is it so? We've talked a lot about Jamie this season and how Jamie doesn't seem to be following his character arc at all, and more and more other characters seem to be falling into that category in different ways. Some do, some don't, but like a lot of it just seems very off or odd, um, and I'm not sure what the reason is for that, or other than that they're just trying to drive the plot forward and they're just sort of turning characters into plot driving devices and whatever gets you there gets you there um but there was just a lot of like little bits that didn't seem to quite fit for me in terms of what characters were doing 
Um, but let's 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 talk about the, the actual episode before we get into all that. Um, sure. Also, I just think there's a lot of just logical gaps that are bizarre. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of par for the course on this show, I think. Well, especially I mean, yeah, we talked last episode about the episode before that um, with Elena, uh, and even here we get even more bizarre in terms of the decisions that characters are making. Um, forget about characterization, just the logic of um, why you would want to do that in the first place, no matter who you are, or what your character is. Uh, so yeah, so we have Eastwatch in the opening credits, uh, and then um, there was this, so first of all, it opens with Jamie and, and Braun. It turns out Braun was the one who saved Jamie. That was sort of ambiguous uh, last episode. Um, didn't sink in a lake with full armor on and both having full armor on. Somehow Braun saves Jamie. <laughs> sure. Um, and pulls him all the way to the other shore. Doesn't You know what I thought would have been really cool in this scene, uh, symbolically? Is, you know, this they made this huge deal out of the fact that Jamie has a golden arm and it's a whole thing. And I suspect it'll come into play at some point later. But I thought a nice little symbolic moment would be that in order to, like, if they open underwater and he's struggling to get away and he's trying to pull off his armor and stuff and he realizes that the, the arm is weighing him down uh, and he lets that go and they sort of use that as a symbol- symbolic, um, you know, moment of him getting rid of his attachments to House Lannister or whatever. Some some sort of thing there. But instead he's just <laughs> pulled to shore and Bronn is, uh, yeah. you know, obsessed with getting his money or something. I thought the exact same thing. I think that would be good writing. Um <laughs> Alas, <laughs> not 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 to be had. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I just it was it was a bit strange uh, that and, and it was funny because I was thinking um, I was talking to a, a friend of mine today about this, and he was like, "Why didn't why wouldn't they go for the the guy who tried to rush the queen and was commanding the army and also you know." Was, and I, I guess maybe either they assumed he died from the flames and didn't see him get knocked into the water, or they assumed, like we do as viewers, that being in full armor and falling into a lake would kill you. But, like, nobody <laughs> reacted at all or tried to find him, um, you know, on the other side of the... There's apparently quite small lake. Uh, and it's just, yeah, it's, again, it it it's fine, I guess. It's just a lot of these these moments that are big moments, like that was how the last episode ended, don't really make a whole lot of sense in the context of just basic physics and reality. Um, so then we uh, move on to this scene with uh, Daenerys and the um, she's talking to all the Lannisters that she's rounded up who managed to survive. Um, yeah, what did you think of this this scene? Okay, so there's been a lot of conversation about um, Daenerys in these past couple episodes mm-hmm. uh, in the comments of our very podcast, in fact. And I think I said something last week about... I don't remember exactly what I said, but I remember basically implying that, like, you know, look, the, the, the Lannister soldiers are fighting a war against her, so it's not exactly like she's a brutal tyrant to be killing them, even if it is with a mm. dragon. Um... I want to qualify that statement <laughs> following this episode because what she does to the Tarleys is indefensible. Oh yeah, as a as as coming from a supposedly uh, kind and generous ruler, um, it's so brutal. 
and such a clear, um, you know, tyrannical and intimidation tactic that, I mean, the other characters even for once, like, acknowledge mm-hmm. that she's a tyrant, um, which usually they don't. Usually she, they pretend that she's, you know, the savior and she's the best person who ever lived. Um, but now it's becoming like an element of the plot that Tyrion and Varys um, know that she has some rather unfortunate uh, tendencies. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's a really... Um, I, I'm glad that that's how they followed it up, because when it happened, I was like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> it, Once again, we're having this scene where uh, it, Daenerys does something horrifically violent to people, and it's really not um, remarked upon that that's not really in keeping with how we're supposed to understand her character. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially now that she's, like, fighting the actual war in Westeros. Right, we cared less when it was, like, slave owners and all of this stuff, because, you know, that has some... Yeah, there was always a way to, yeah. like, kind of... Exactly, yeah, like, oh, well, they were bad people, so, you know. Um, but, yeah, now that you're fighting Lannister soldiers, who the show has made a point in this season to point out are just pe- regular people... We really don't have any, True. haven't done anything. Although it should be pointed out as well that they've characterized the Tarleys as being, you know, these, basically these racists, you know. That's true. Um, again, <laughs> you know, punishing racists, beating up racists, you know, whatever, like that's a separate thing. Burning them alive in front of everyone is is something else. And also, like, what kind of kingdom does she want to be? She keeps talking about, uh, you know... That she wants to um, inspire people and to rule with fairness and have people choose her, which is sort of what she did in the beginning, where she was breaking chains or whatever, the, and all that nonsense before she had dragons. But now she's just bullying people into, you know, acquiescing. Like, in what universe is that a sustainable? You know, ruling everyone with fear is how every tyrant in the world rules their. It makes her like everybody else. Um, yeah. I just, I don't understand this at all. I will say that to the show's credit, it's making her, maybe they're heading towards an endgame where Daenerys isn't, you know, the greatest thing to ever hit. But then, like, what was the point of the last several seasons um, of following her of any of this? Yeah. I mean, I would I would appreciate if that were where they were going, but it would be so sudden. You know, that's what like I'm saying. Yeah, six six seasons of of her being an ostensibly uh, good, uh, uh, not a good guy. I guess that's a little simplistic, but you know what I mean. A protagonist of the show sure. rather than an antagonist. To have her really suddenly make that switch, um, while I think it's a reasonable direction for the story to go, like they should have been sowing the seeds for that years ago. Yeah. Um, and they just weren't. And and the show's not really doing that now, because, I mean, in many ways, you know, the, the coalition she formed with Olena, who is sort of ambiguous, neutral, uh, but but somebody people rooted for, um, with, uh, what's her face? Um, oh, what's the Greyjoy? Yara. Sister Yara. Um, uh, she's, like, clearly a counterpoint to Theon and to uh, Euron. Uh, and so she's a good guy in that way. By the way, we haven't seen her. Are we ever going to see her again? I have no idea. Um, oh, yeah. Which is just like, I'm so glad they got rid of her character by throwing her in a dungeon or something. Um, it's a waste of talent, in my opinion. Um, but, mm. 
you know, so she's allied herself with all these people who we consider to be good, you know, in this in the context of the show. Even John and, you know, Sir Davos and Tyrion and all these people who we're following. So if she's bad or if she goes bad, and they do set that up in the first episode, they do address this very point, or maybe it's the second episode, um, of, you know, what Varys has that whole conversation with her. Uh, you know, maybe they are setting some sort of, you know, coup, some sort of thing that, that Daenerys is going to go through at some point. But I just, I don't know. It seems like a really late stage to do that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. In any case, uh, so yeah, the Tarleys are all gone. And as for all she knows, she wiped out an entire house. And, you know, thankfully Sam still exists. The other reality, too, is that even though John uh, has refused the exact same way the Tarleys did, even though I suppose they're enemy combatants, whereas John is just sort of neutral, but not really. He's declared his own kingdom. Um, she's been a lot kinder to him than she was to the Tarleys, which I think is also a bit um, a bit strange. I suppose it's because they're trying to build this romance between them, but it is a, a bit odd. So uh, one thing we had uh, raised a question last uh, episode was whether or not the Tyrell money had gotten through the gates uh, to the Lannisters. It turns out apparently it did, because Cersei's talking about taking on um, mercenaries to build an army. Uh, while Jamie is horrified and is ready to throw in the towel. And by the way, I, I did find it kind of hilarious in the very first scene where he says, I have to go tell Cersei. Like, Cersei doesn't know there's dragons. I, I don't know. The whole thing was a bit odd. <laughs> um, I have to go tell Cersei. Like, clearly it's not that we were attacked, because she knew that. And anyone could go tell her that. Is it that there were dragons and that she didn't know that? Or that she doesn't appreciate the realness of dragons? I just, I don't know. I don't fully understand what he was getting at there. Well, apparently Jamie didn't appreciate uh, what dragons actually mean because when he actually talks to her later, he is like, you know, we we were so wrong. We can't take her yeah. on. We're gonna lose. Um, so if he had actually, if he had genuinely appreciated the the magnitude of what a, a, a one dragon is, let alone three, um, he may not have <laughs> he may have argued against going out there at all. Mm, yeah, true, true, yeah. Um, and maybe that's what he wanted to convey. I just don't know how he's gonna convey that. Like the whole thing is that he saw one up close and saw the how crazy it was um whereas how is he going to get cersei to believe that um but yeah and then also i I don't like she just seems to be on a suicide mission broadly speaking uh at this point later we have a little bit of a hint of a plan that might take form but it seems like her entire goal is to just like throw everything they have at daenerys and then die um which is a bit of an odd plan, I think. Um, well, if it's the if if it's your only option, it makes sense from Cersei's perspective, I guess, to not just give up. Well, not give up, but even discuss or whatever, and you know, it's I don't know. I guess you're whatever. I just it seems like an odd strategy. It's not a strategy. It's just dying. Um, uh, but I mean, if she had clearly, she's fighting. I mean, she should realize that she's fighting someone who could burn down all of King's Landing and didn't. So maybe she isn't interested in just killing everyone at the first, you know, attempt. She didn't even send an envoy. It's not like, I'm not saying Cersei should go talk to Daenerys personally, but she doesn't even, like, think, hmm, maybe I could send a messenger to deliver, say, hey, um, I'm operating on behalf of the Queen. I would like to speak with you about terms of surrender or whatever. None of that. Doesn't even try. Um, just like, no, we're going to fight till we're dead. Yeah, I mean, she just doesn't want to... She's very clearly not interested in talking, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I just... Um, it's, again, it's, it's the logical choice. No, it's the logical choice, but, like, I don't... I don't think you can ever just say, well, 
this choice doesn't make sense because it's not logical. It makes sense for the character of Cersei. And not everything the character of Cersei does is logical. No, certainly she's um, very emotionally But it's totally in, in keeping show. with what we, know, what we understand about her. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But she is, I mean, on one hand, yes. On the other hand, she's clearly strategizing in very advanced ways, you know, when it comes to military, you know. Jamie gets the credit this episode for the plan with King's Land, uh, with uh, Casterly Rock and um, Highgarden and all that, but I, it seemed like that was really Cersei's plan. I don't know if it's... I, mean, I, I assume that was really Cersei's... Cause she's been scheming in the background with the Iron Bank and getting this, that, and the other thing. I think that was her move. And so she is thinking oh, well, very course, strategically, yeah. but then in this case, she's like, well, all my plans are out. Guess I'm just going to give up and you know die fighting. Um, I just thought it was a bit odd. Uh, but in any case, it's not that... This isn't... I, I had mentioned at the beginning of this episode that we... Um, there were a lot of logical in- inconsistencies with a lot of the characters. This isn't one of them. I just think it's a stupid move, like, personally, you know. Um, obviously, I know Cersei doesn't quite operate that way. Um, and when she's backed into a corner, she kind of just lashes out. Uh, but I guess we won't see that eventuality because she's about to attempt something completely different, as we find out a little bit later. Um, so, yeah, there's a scene uh, ju- uh, just after that with... Uh, Daenerys landing on a cliff next to Jon on her dragon. Um, and I was a bit confused by this scene because it's it's it's, it's very well done. Um, it feels kind of like Jurassic Park a bit, uh, which is what I <laughs> immediately jumped to, which is a really good blend of like CG. And it looks like a practical effect, but maybe not. I, I really can't tell. Um, and I thought it was really well executed, but I did find the scene a little odd. I couldn't tell if it was because Daenerys was trying to intimidate Jon or what was supposed to be going on there, um, other than, like, the audience is supposed to see that Jon and dragons can get along. And if that was the point, then they could have done that with a different dragon without Daenerys. So anyway, I just thought this was a, a weird... Well, it's, it's so that Daenerys can see it. That's why she's there. Yeah, I guess. I suppose that's significant. Um... But then again, it's John, again, it's it's, that, you know, it's like a plot-driven thing, not like a. I, I was trying to figure out why she would like why is Daenerys landing on a rock on a cliff to, you know, have a conversation with John. What what is she doing? <laughs> the thing was just very odd to me. Um, oh, the, the the what I what I assume is that it was Drogon who was who wanted to land there, because John was there. Because he's drawn to John being a secret Targaryen. Well, I suppose they could have communicated that in some way. Because it what didn't, I don't know, it didn't seem like, it's not like she was like, oh, yeah, no, don't they... land there. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, you know, like, she just sort of flies down and then they have this weird moment. I don't know. It just, it was, it seemed kind of out of the blue to me, like, so they could get this scene in, not because it made any particular sense, which is often how I feel about this show these days. Uh, there was one, I believe, um, I believe in this scene... I don't know if it's in this scene or a little bit later, but Daenerys does ask Jon about the knife to the heart uh, remark that um, Davos had made earlier uh, a couple of episodes ago. Um, and I, I'm telling you, man, that that scene I described with Daenerys and Jon, uh, where she sees the scar yeah. because he's shirtless and yep. whatever, is definitely mm-hmm. coming. I was like, oh, is this going to be the scene? But it's not this scene, but it is coming. I assure everyone. One hundred percent, definitely, <laughs> absolutely going to happen. Even though they're now nowhere near each other, but whatever. 
Um, I do think it will happen eventually. I just I thought it was going to happen on Dragonstone, but I don't know. Um, also, the other weird thing she says, um, I know it's been a running theme on the show that she's literally the mother of dragons and whatever. But in this one scene where she's like, they're not just animals, they're my children. I just instantly thought of like, you know, like dog moms. You know what I'm talking about? Like, <laughs> where you're like, yeah, no, yeah. Where like yep. your dog is like, it's like, it's, it's my child. I'm, I am its mother. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just like, I know they're dragons. It's perhaps a bit different, but I just thought it was a, it was a kind of amusing um, parallel. Um, which obviously in a moment that's supposed to be serious. Uh, I just, if I were John, I would have rolled my eyes. I'm like, okay, we get it. But they're, they're giant lizards. <laughs> Um. So, yeah, uh, Jorah's back as well. Um, before being immediately sent away. Um. Oh yeah, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. So my only note on this was: Why is he still a character? Why is his plotline still a thing? Why is he involved in anything that's going on? Um, and apparently it's so that they can do a a Mormon like. Uh, referential sort of thing at the wall because that's where his father was. So ten different people can be like, "Oh, I fought, I fought with your father. I knew your father." Yeah, exactly. That yeah, seems so they can to do be that it. scene three times in a row. Yeah. And he also, by the way, has not made any comments about the fact that I John mean, maybe has, it's so that he can. Uh... John has long claw. Oh yeah, why didn't that seems kind of obvious, right? <laughs> to bring up, <laughs> you would think someone might say something. Well, maybe it'll come up in the next episode when he actually. Uh, when he presumably has to pull it out, um, maybe there'll be some some reference to it. Possibly. I, don't, I just thought it was... It, yeah, anyway, I just don't understand Jorah's character at all. Um, th- thankfully, he has, like, no lines and basically just shows up, hugs Daenerys, and then as he's leaving, she's like, we don't have words for this, and then he just leaves. <laughs> so I feel... Like, I, you know, yeah. despite him not being a character, he... Uh, Their relationship is... So baffling to me. It's not even that he's not that he's not a character because I mean I mean he, I agree with you. Yeah, he's he's kind of a. I, I don't understand w- w- who he is or what he wants other than to hang out with Daenerys, I guess. Um, but their relationship is so baffling because as that reunion and as that goodbye scene was happening, all I was thinking was like, didn't weren't you mad at him for betraying you? I think was she. That, I think she. I don't remember him. if that resolved or not. I think she forgave him because that's yeah, why she sends him away to go get cured or something. But I, I really assumed. Right. I'd, she was expecting him to just die. Yeah. Absolutely. Like it was a way of getting rid of him. Yeah. So I don't really understand like what the relationship is or why they're like what counsel is he providing. I, yeah, I don't know why she. There's that. There's that whole moment where he just stands behind her at the when they're doing the their little small council meeting or whatever it is, um, and like, but he's not contributing anything. And the best he can offer is like, "I will go. Uh, it is my duty." For some reason, um, so yeah, I don't know. Jorah's a bizarre character. Um, it's not that he's so a bizarre character, die. like, historically. He has been a, an interesting character who had something, you know, was fine for a couple of seasons. It's just, at this point, the fact that his character hasn't died off is really weird. Like, why save him from Dragonscale? 
But yeah, I, I, if, if nothing else, I think the reason he's here right now is so that someone can die next week. Yeah, because they have like ten, ten different supporting characters who are, are of like marginal importance. Yeah. who are really, I think, just going to be cannon fodder or White Walker fodder in whatever big fight happens next week. Again, thinning the pl- thinning the herd a bit. Um, yeah, maybe that's what it is, and, and maybe Jorah will. I will feel really bad if he decides next episode, I guess. But um, I think that's a reasonable guess. Um, so yeah, and then uh, Brand's controlling all the ravens. Um, sure. Right. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now, and it says, "I quote: Brand wargs into the mind of an unkindness of ravens." Which is the the collective noun for uh, ravens, um, and there's I just love this tryhard Wikipedia editor who could have just said a bunch of ravens or a group of ravens, but instead had to show off uh, how many collective nouns they know. You know what? Good for that person. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> apparently Bran can can do that, and then the Night King. You know, somebody else pointed out. Um, same friend uh, pointed out that aside from everyone teleporting everywhere now with stunning regularity uh, on this show, <laughs> conversely, the White Walkers seem to be the slowest creatures of the face of the Earth. <laughs> They've been walking for, like, yeah, years. Yeah, okay, I'm glad you brought... I was about to say the exact same thing. <laughs> How many... I swear to God, every season we get the exact same scene <laughs> of the White Walkers marching and you're oh my god they're they're marching on the wall but it's been i mean i swear i since like the first season i'm pretty sure we've had like um i remember i think it was the second season that the big cliffhanger was we see the army um sam sees the army marching oh yeah but it's like it's amazing to me that like they're just getting there now (laughs) it's it's Um, really strange like how is this just we we saw how fast they can move Right, they fight, and they're mm-hmm. fa- like, why are they all shuffling along? Yeah, and it's not—it's not like they have to sleep. Yeah, it's not or like they, they get have to tired. Sleep, so, like, they can just keep going without yeah. stopping. Yeah, I—I I, uh. I don't, I don't know what the logic is at all, or why it's taking a thousand years for them to get from A to B. I thought, as I predicted last episode, that this episode was going to be about them getting to Eastwatch and there being a big battle that ends really brutally, and instead, it's just nope. They're going through Eastwatch on their way to past the wall where apparently the White Walkers aren't sitting waiting for them. I, I, what? <laughs> what is taking so long? I really don't get it. Well, yeah, actually, this this brings up an interesting point. How far away was Hardhome from the wall that the White Walker... Yeah, wait wait a minute. This doesn't make any sense at all. Because <laughs> John went, got back from Hardhome and then went to Winterfell and then went to Dragonstone and has been bouncing all over the place in the time that it took the White Walkers to get from the same place to Eastwatch. Yeah, exactly. That's what I don't... That is precisely the problem. <laughs> what? Um, yeah, if you look at a map I of, mean, yeah, of Westeros, it, it, yeah. a lot of this doesn't make much sense. Like, why any... Like, a lot of yeah, the... We, yeah, we, we've talked about this a bunch. I mean, we, we talk about, like, you know, the fact that people are teleporting, and it's like, all right, fine, you know, it would take forever for them to get from A to B. Um... But yeah, it doesn't really work if like if if you just speed up everyone, fine, because then the show's just moving faster. Um, but to show up to speed up some um, 
some characters and not others, especially like the primary villains, is a bit odd. Um, well, the show, yeah, the show has had a problem with this. I think this problem with the White Walkers has been really since the beginning. I mean, if you remember the fir- very first scene of the show was establishing the White Walker threat. Yeah. Um, and then like not basically not doing anything with them at all for a pretty long time, except for maybe once in a while, like showing an undead soldier. Um, and it wasn't really until the end of, I think it was season two where they show the army of the dead. But, and I, I get, I get that this is sort of, this may be kind of like an interesting meta structure where the show does a bad job of establishing them as a threat. And therefore none of the characters take them seriously as a threat. And the audience doesn't until it's too late. Um, I don't think, I'm not going to give the show that much credit. Um, I think it, they should have done a better job, and I understand that they have a million other things to do, but they should have done a better job of really um, drilling it into our heads that the White Walkers are uh, the big threat, the most important thing possible. Um, and this is probably the fault of George R. R. Martin, too, just as a storyteller. Um, because at this point, now that they're like, finally, 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 finally here, after all this time, um, it just feels like, look, you know, how there's, what, eight episodes left of the entire series? Mm-hmm. It's going to be really weird when all of a sudden, like, what, how far are they possibly going to get? Are they going to reach King's Landing? I kind of doubt it at the pace they've been going. Wait, how, how many episodes is next season? I believe it's just six. Oh, is it? Yeah. Um, so just for reference, so people, you can look it up on a map later if you want. Hardhome is directly north of Eastwatch, basically. Um, but they're both on the east coast of Westeros. And yeah, it really shouldn't take that long to get there. Um, like Craster's Keep to Castle Black is like half the distance. <laughs> um, so I don't fully understand why it takes so long to get from Hardhome to Eastwatch. Assuming that's where they're coming from. Um, which is the implication from last season was it last i mean yeah that's the last place we saw him as far as i remember uh i believe so yeah so yeah i I, again it doesn't it doesn't make any sense none of this makes any sense i mean maybe they just walk really slow or they're wandering around or they're collecting more people or something see the thing is this is you know because they don't tell us anything about the white walkers they don't tell us like oh they're building an army or anything we have no visibility on what exactly they're doing other than walking because that's the only thing we ever see them doing (laughs) So like, yeah. Because if they were building an army, you'd be like, "All right, that's why." It's because they're amassing a giant force, and that's why we have to worry about it. But they don't really seem to be. Um, maybe that's the implication when we see all those giants that they weren't all there at our home, and these are new giants that they've picked up from the north in various places. Maybe. Um, but they've again, they've made none of this clear. So as far as we're concerned, they've just been walking around and. Well, yeah. I mean, the reason Hardhome was such a good episode is because it actually shows them being a threat oh, man, and being so dangerous um, and converting but that people, was yeah. A, yeah I mean that was back in season 5 at this point was it so back we, in they haven't five? been in a big f- yeah I, j- I as we were talking I went back to look at the episode list because I, I would have sworn to you it was last season but no it was season 5 episode 8 wow I knew yeah. It, I, yeah I actually I, I started to realize it wasn't last episode last season but yeah, it's it's crazy. So anyway, we don't know what the White Walkers are doing. We don't really have any visibility on that. All we know is that they're extraordinarily slow. Um, <laughs> convenient to all the rest of the characters who have to get up and down Westeros a thousand times in one episode. Um, so yeah, there it is. 
Um, let's see. Uh, getting back to the we have a lot more to get through. Jeez. Yes, um, a lot more to get through. Um, just briefly, Sam again asking the maesters to listen, and they ignore him. So he pieces out uh, with all of the the documents. Um, yeah, there's not much to say on this scene other than that Gilly almost mentions John's parentage, but then doesn't. But I mean, oh yeah, I was gonna say, I thought that scene, I thought that scene was amazing. I loved that. Um, yeah, it was a good scene. Um, so yeah, sure. It was so. I mean, so much of the conversations on this show are info dumps, where characters just exposit to each other, um, with really no kind, really nothing to disguise it or anything to make it seem like you know, a regular conversation. <laughs> so this is a great example of the show actually doing that and seeding in this huge revelation <laughs> um, uh, really stealthily and really cleverly. Um, so if you if you didn't catch it, the point is she's reading a book and she mentions that someone named Ragger uh, had his marriage annulled. Um <laughs> And the point, obviously, is, oh, well, that was Rhaegar Targaryen. And if he had right. his marriage annulled and married someone else, that would have been Lyanna, which means that Jon is a legitimate Targaryen. And this has been the big kind of thorn in the side of the um, of this theory, basically forever, is there has, in the books, there was never any evidence that he had done that, basically. Right. Um, so the base, even though the theory made sense, John wouldn't be a uh, legitimate Targaryen. He would just be he would be another bastard still, <laughs> but with different parents. Right. Um, so it's um, an important bit of info that he that, that Rhaegar did that, and that he and Lyanna were actually married, presumably before John was born. Um, well, it must have been because she died right, <laughs> right when that happened. <laughs> um, but I like I mean it's a big detail, and I love that they just kind of like drop it into the middle of a scene that really has nothing to do with that. I did. I guess I, it's slightly new information. I, I just, it's because if anybody's been paying attention to the Rhaegar land and stuff, I guess there's some people who are just not picking up on this because the Tower of Joy stuff was very vague. So in fact, I think if you say Tower of Joy stuff, people don't really remember that. They'll probably be like, I don't know what that is. Oh, the flashback scenes with Ned. Oh, okay. Now I kind of know what you're saying. Um, but you know they're gonna have to, still gonna do this big reveal. It's just irritating because I know they're putting all these like clues in that are trans so transparent about his parentage that it's gonna be really silly when they're like, "Oh, he's actually a Targaryen," oh, you know, and everyone's gonna be like, "Oh my god, who yeah. knew?" Uh, well, yeah, it's hard when the audience knows something that the characters haven't learned yet because you're right. We are we we are gonna get that scene where someone maybe it's. Um, I guess maybe it's Sam. Maybe he'll maybe he'll have a flashback. I think it'll be Bran. That's probably what they're setting up now. That it, I mean, that's the whole um, thing. Is that well, Bran already? I guess Bran probably knows already. But um, no, that's the whole thing. Bran specifically says, "I need to tell John something." It's all about his parentage. That's right, 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 right. So yeah, so we're gonna get that scene. I, I'm surprised he hasn't told anyone yet. You know what I mean? I get that it's maybe something you don't want to you want to keep under wraps, but. Is that not something maybe he wanted to at least mention to his sisters? Like, hey, by the way, um, here's some earth-shattering information that uh, that you may want to know. Well, earth-shattering doesn't apply to people who are not people because they're really the Three-Eyed Raven. Um, yeah, well, the other thing, too, is that's, I mean, that's why plot-wise, again, things that don't make any sense, 
John doesn't stop by Winterfell at all. Um, oh yeah. Even though he's you think coming, he'd just like pop in. You, you would think, <laughs> considering he hasn't seen his siblings for so long. But if he did, Bran would have to tell him this thing. So therefore, plot-wise, he has to just skip Winterfell because it's too important that he goes beyond the wall to capture a white. I, this dumbass. Oh yeah, and we'll get to that. But I did predict that on this very podcast as a joke. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I didn't realize you had predicted that. I forgot. But that is insane. But anyway, but the fact that he, like. What is this logic that he's going to skip Winterfell other than that Bran is there and it would ruin the plot if Bran was there and he didn't say anything to Jon? Like, there's no real reason for it. Oh, and that it would get in the way of Littlefinger's weird schemes with Sansa and Arya. But that, like, that's the premise of him not going there. Not because for any good reason, I would argue. Um, other than that time is of the essence. Um... But anyway, so uh, let's see. What do we have? Yeah, so yeah, we're. I think we move right into um, the scene where they, they developed this plan, um, which I really didn't see coming. Right. And I thought it was like a joke or that it would get shot down. I did by accident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still can't believe it. <laughs> but I mean, what? It's I mean, our, so here's the thing. I I think I don't remember what episode it was, but sometime this season I joked about how they would prove every to everyone that the White Walkers were real by doing a sneaking mission into their camp and and kidnapping one. Um, but as we mentioned in this episode, the White Walkers don't make camp because they don't have to sleep because they just keep marching. So I I don't know I don't know how this is supposed to work unless it's just you know I think most of them are probably gonna die. And then a few of them will manage to get away with one. That's the only way I see this plan working. Sure, but like, I, the whole goal of this is to convince Cersei. Yeah. Why? What is? Why is this the suddenly the plan that Cersei? We have to convince Cersei that the first of all, Daenerys is suddenly on board with this, and not only that, she's on board with convincing Cersei also that this is a thing. What is going on in the show at this point? It's so confusing to me. And that everyone's like, yes, I will go. And I too will go. And, you know, not to get into Gendry just yet, but like Gendry's like, I also will go beyond the wall for the first time ever. And I've never fought anyone in my life. And Jorah's like, yes, I too will lay down my life to go and capture an undead character that I've never seen before to convince some other queen I've never met to maybe join us with her like meager remaining army why oh and by the way she's also like a genocidal maniac it's just i mean it it, it's here's the thing it from john's perspective i don't think this is bizarre at all because daenerys and cersei can't be fighting each other when the white walkers come they have to they have to focus on the white walkers like okay fine you want to you want to convince Cersei to call a truce briefly and then I mean and that's kind of you know what I agree with you that is kind of where it all falls apart because once they're done collectively fighting the white walkers do they just like what go back to fighting each other right away I guess that's the assumption Yeah because like there's no both of them want each other exterminated 
they have there's no situation in which I mean honestly it, it, the smartest thing that one of them could do is convince the other one to go alone <laughs> and let the white walkers wipe them out and maybe that's Daenerys's secret plan is to completely betray Cersei and just let her let the Lannisters the Lannister army be obliterated by the white walkers maybe uh, i mean See, what I would have done if I was Daenerys, I suppose that's one way to do it, but there's no need for that because she can just do it herself. (laughs) Exactly, that's true. What I would say (laughs) is come up with an alternative reason for an armistice. Don't just come up with some sort of, you know, what somebody would, some idiot in the council would be like, hey, uh, let's go capture a white and just show Cersei and she'll join us. And then someone else would go, shut up, you're stupid. Here's what we should actually do. We should just lie <laughs> and tell her something else is going on so that we can deal with this other threat and then get back to fighting later or get back to dealing with Cersei later. But instead they're like, I no, mean, but let's that, try and convince At that point Cersei. you might as well just at that point you might as well just tell her about the White Walkers. No, but cause... why? That's a, it's an absurd claim that no one believes and she still doesn't believe it. That's but that's my point. Yeah, there's no reason to make something up and if you're going to actually try to convince her of something I guess why not go all out? <laughs> but the the point, but yeah, the greater point is you're right. Why are you trying to convince her at all? Unless it's some like secret trick. Yeah. Well, anyway, they're all. And that's a lot of effort for for a trick. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it's a trick. I think this is generally they thought this is the most logical plot point. And maybe this is what George R. R. Martin, one of George R. R. Martin's three, you know, central plot points was that you know they show a dead, a, you know, a, a white to Cersei. Um, and the other reality is that, you know, he's, they're going to show up with a white, I assume, not a white walker. That would be significant, but a white. And it's just going to be an undead character like um, the mountain. And she's just going to be like, yeah, so what? Oh, yeah, I have one of those. <laughs> um, which also, uh, yeah. I think I saw somewhere floated that that might be how he, how, uh, was it Pycelle? No, not Pycelle. Kyburn. Kyburn, right. Kyburn. Uh, managed to reanimate the mountain using some sort of White Walker related thing. Which would be kind of interesting. No, I don't I don't think so. <laughs> I guess although but we still have no inclination. you know, we have uh, no inkling of what happened there. All we know is, you know, we know how Lord of Light people come back to life and we know how White Walkers and Whites and all that work, sort of. But we have no idea what happened with the mountain. Yeah, you know, it just hit me that there's three different ways to bring people back from the dead on this show. Mm-hmm. But one of them is completely unexplained. <laughs> except for, like, science, in quotes. I guess. Yeah, the two magic ones are more are better explained than the than the one that's science. Yeah, it's not like he developed electricity, or like we saw some... I suppose it would be really corny, like Frankenstein-type thing, but, like, what else is there? Like, what is this? Um, so, yeah, that's just a bit odd. Um... So I couldn't believe that this was the plan, but sure. Um, by the way, I assumed that Jorah was going to speak up and say, like, this is a stupid idea, but instead he volunteers for the mission. <laughs> so there you go. There's Jorah's contribution. Um, yeah, okay. So that all aside, uh, we move back to Winterfell. Um, did you find this whole Sansa Arya thing really strange? Um, you're talking about the the bit with um with Littlefinger, right? No, prior to that. So when they first oh oh yeah when yeah. they first are like well so Sansa's being very like acting like a leader, 
and realizing she needs to maintain these alliances so that they can continue keeping everything together, even though they want her to lead, which is kind of a sudden thing. Um, like they don't. Well, it's not sudden because like I I think they set this up pretty well because in every scene with the with the northern uh, lords, they they are always backing Sansa against John's ideas. Sure, and she she was the the head of a house and. She she's a legitimate Stark, first of all. She's a legitimate Stark. She was the head of a house, and yada yada yada. But it's just like I don't know. They put all their effort and trust into John, and then, um, you know, they're like, yeah, but he's not so great. So we're gonna go back to you instead. I just thought it was kind of funny, but she does make the, the the leaderly sort of, uh, decision to to maintain these uh, alliances and also to not betray John while he's gone. Um, but. So it, it, this scene really frustrated me when they're arguing in in um, their parents' old bedroom, bed chamber, whatever. Um, so in the beginning, it starts off really well, where Arya is saying, "You always like pretty things, and that's why you're in this room." And it felt very what we were talking about—that they had left on sort of crappy terms, and yeah, I agree that they're very different people and whatever. And I was like, "Cool." And then, in like the next moment, Arya's like, "Kill everyone." Which is like, to me, not representative of old Arya, and not representative of new Arya either. She's all for killing, like people on her list and whatever, but very specific, very targeted. That death has meaning and yada yada. All these things that she learned from, um, you know, from from her training and all the rest of it, and then like suddenly she's this crazy little tyrant too. <laughs> I don't know. I just found the her arc in this scene this very to be very strange. Yeah, it's definitely sort of a flattened version of what we have come to understand about Arya, who is definitely you know, I guess it, it's sort of based on like if someone described Arya's arc to you, this might be the person you expect her to be at this point, but it's not really what we've come to understand about her. Yeah, like like you said, she doesn't kill indiscriminately. Yeah, but she's like, like grinning she as she's talking about cutting off their heads. I'm like. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's it's a weird weird kind of leap. It's just bizarre, and like to make that the focal point of their conflict instead of something that's a bit more substantive about like what their priorities are in life or something, which also probably isn't true of Sansa anymore. You know, it's just really odd, really really odd. Um, but then this leads into, uh, I guess we'll just because it's in this all in the same. Uh, location. We'll just continue with this um, plot. Um, there's this little finger Arya thing. So it was really so. Last episode, or yeah, last episode, we were talking about how Aiden Gillen, his version of Littlefinger, and how um, he completely fails to sell the whole idea of manipulation. <laughs> and I couldn't get stop thinking about that this entire episode because now we finally see him quote unquote manipulating people, right? Um, but from a distance so we don't actually hear him talking or acting we just see him like from Arya's perspective and then every time he walks away from a meeting he walks away with this like huge grin right this <laughs> evil grin like he's just done something terrible and I'm like how are you getting away with anything you are the most obvious well, I mean, villain in the on the face of the planet now of course you know, He's you could say, well, she... Because he, he knows Arya's watching. He knows Arya's watching, so that's why he did it. But I'm like, okay, but what about the every other time Aiden Gillen has done this? <laughs> um, yeah. So I just thought that was 
yeah, I couldn't stop thinking about that. I loved I loved that whole sequence. That that sequence was really really funny, um, especially the the, <laughs> the reveal at the end of little of little finger <laughs> spying on Arya is probably the funniest thing that's ever that's ever happened on the show because it's just the most like absurd. Um, it felt like I'm gonna reference Metal Gear Solid two episodes in a row but it felt like in a Metal Gear Solid game at the end when everyone's secret plots are like finally unraveling and they're all revealing how they're they've triple crossed everyone else like it felt like that kind of reveal but you never get that on this show and it was just so funny to see (laughs) to see that like yeah like from a character like Littlefinger who we've come to understand in these past couple episodes as being mostly incompetent at his (laughs) uh, at his chosen profession (laughs) um I don't know. I didn't get. I didn't get a good uh, look at that note, though. Did you? Yeah. So see I can. I can elaborate on that because I. I looked it up. Um, I think they expected people to remember, but yeah. Anyway, I'll explain that in just one minute. It wasn't in the previously on. So what I will say is that Arya is supposed to be a assassin, um, but somehow Littlefinger sussed her out, which I find also very strange. He played her like a chump. He he completely played her. Well, not only played her, but like she was so obvious. She was like peeking around corners and stuff. I was like, that's what you do as a <laughs> child. She's supposed to be a trained assassin, adept at sneaking into places. She, why didn't she put a face on? Why didn't she? She can do anything. <laughs> and she decided to like do what I would do, <laughs> which again, she's an assassin. Um, so of course, Littlefinger saw her. She's like not slick at all. Um, and anyway, yeah, just be a better assassin. I don't understand that, that at all. Again, things that are not making any sense. What was the point of the training? What was the point of any of that? If somebody like Littlefinger can figure out where you are, well, Littlefinger is adept at working with people who are secretive. So that's why he figured it out. I can already see it now. Like, no, it doesn't make any sense at all, but fine. Um, can I just briefly interrupt to say I feel in a I'm in a weird position right now where... Um, I feel like I'm much more positive on the show than you are. Really? And that has never been our dynamic before. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't... I, listen, I enjoy the show now. Like, I mean, I've, there's never been a part of Game of Thrones save Daenerys wandering around in the desert or um, uh, when Theon was being tortured. That's and of course there were those like individual scenes that were very controversial that I found really distasteful, like with Sansa and, and Ramsay and all that. Um, but broadly speaking, there hasn't been like recurring moments that I found really either super boring or super like couldn't like uncomfortable and I didn't like them. Um, broadly, I've always found the show show enjoyable, but uh, I just I don't know. I've this particular episode I didn't particularly enjoy um, as much as as other episodes. Overall, I'm enjoying this season and I'm actually not. You know, I haven't minded the show so much since season two, which really was bothered me to no end. So um, it's fine. Um, I'm not like you, there was a point where you hated the show, and I've never hated the show. I've hated things. Yeah, go it's check done, out our but... season five episodes uh, if you want to hear that, because I was really down on the show yeah. pretty much all through that season. Well, exactly, and then we got hard home, and you're like, you know what? All right, well, this is okay. <laughs> yeah, but then it went back because they killed Stannis's wife and daughter in the next episode. Oh yeah, again for like very seemingly very little reason. Yeah, um, that was all horrific. Yeah, again, women. 
uh, taking the uh, brunt <laughs> of the abuse and murder on the show. So, um, what were we talking about? Arya. Yeah, so, uh, all that aside, again, I just, it's like, I don't know what they're, like, and they'll have entire scenes where she's, like, dodging sword blows and stuff, which also is probably not possible, but whatever. Um, the way she's doing with, uh, when she's doing with Brienne and stuff, like, oh yeah, I forgot she got trained how to be an assassin, but then, like, fails miserably at doing just that. Um, but anyway, leave that aside. The note is the note that Sansa sent from King's Landing about how, uh, that Ned was a traitor and that Joffrey was great and whatever. Remember she sends it back? Joffrey like makes her send yeah. it. Yeah. That's the note. But okay, but so what's the point of having Arya see that? So that she can okay, think wait, that, so... that that Sansa's betrayed them? Or Okay, so yeah, okay. That makes sense to like me. Like she's working for Cersei or something. That is unbelievably stupid, but I can almost see how Littlefinger would, uh, you know, coming from the understanding from earlier that Arya thinks that Sansa is hung, just hungry for power and will betray Jon if she has right. to. Um, that Littlefinger would kind of try to stoke that flame by having her see this note where, oh, you see, she uh, uh, was so quick to call your father a traitor. Um, Arya is not stupid. Like she has to know that that was written under duress. I fear. I don't you're think she's going to think see, that that was real. I fear you're about to see Littlefinger's plan work out just fine. And you oh know. god, I can't. That's what I'm so. This is what's so stupid. This show is just get, like really a sibling rivalry. Like that's what we're going to go with in this at this point to drive a wedge from the Starks. Okay. Um, no, if if in the next episode, um, Arya doesn't show Littlefinger the note and be like, "What are you doing? <laughs> Come on!" You know that's not going to happen. Then I'm going to be, I I like I can't even I I can't even wrap my head around how that plan is supposed to work. Like Arya's, I, they would have to completely throw Arya's character in the dumpster for her to fall for that. Yeah, no, I genuinely think that's going to happen. That's what's so hilariously backward about this. It will be. I will say, if this is a setup for, um, for again, a, a triple cross. If she and Sansa have been working together the whole time to play Littlefinger and get him to reveal that he's been manipulating them, then I'll be pretty happy because that would be cool. That would be great. Um, although I don't know what to reveal. Like they know he's a manipulative piece of crap. Um, if they just want to kill him, she just kill him. Um, it may be leading towards some sort of like I think it's going to be Arya gets angry at Sansa and they have a big fight uh, yada 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 whatever the fallout is from that but eventually they'll both figure it out and then she'll kill Littlefinger maybe with the dagger maybe that was the point oh yeah oh yep you know what I bet <laughs> I, I don't know I, I have to assume that's where it's going he's got to I mean she's she's got to kill someone with that dagger they put it on the mantle and who better than Littlefinger I guess yeah um I mean, it also will be good for killing White Walkers, but... Oh, absolutely. Um, so, yes. Um, so then uh, uh, Davos and Tyrion go on a little spy mission together. Um, I really like this pairing. Um, it'd be cool to see more of it. Oh, yeah, Dav- Davos is great in this episode. He's really good in um, this episode. And you... Who was saying in our comments uh, from the last episode that Davos was being under... I think it was Adia who was saying that Davos was really being kind of underserved this season. Um, yeah, because he has a lot of this, like, sort just... of cheeky, like, 
dumb comments about how oh I yeah just like a bunch of one-liners yeah exactly um but yeah he's he's great in this episode he's he's showing off his uh kind of uh his well okay i i don't really get why he went to get gendry but i mean well okay let's talk about that let's talk about gendry because this is what they're here well for. Be- before gendry i just broadly i agree with you and what frustrated me about this is that davos is great in this scene um and i wish this scene had happened four seasons ago because it like introduces <laughs> Davos's character for the first time. I genuinely have a better understanding of Davos than I've ever had in this entire series. It's just been him like awkwardly for some reason advising kings on military strategy as somebody who apparently cannot fight anyone. Bizarre, just truly bizarre. He I think Davos is a good example of a character who and I think the show doesn't fall into this too often, but I think sometimes, you know, considering that all the writers are writing from the perspective of having read the books, I think sometimes they take it for granted that the viewers will have more, will have their understanding of characters, um, and don't put as much time into developing the audience's understanding of them, because... Well, you know, that we already know who Davos is, so we don't have to spend time kind of explaining well, the kind of person he no, is. No, but they have explained um, I mean, but the thing is, they don't show it. They tell us. He's a smuggler. They've said he's a smuggler a thousand times. I know that. But, like, so what? But it turns out he's, you know... It, it's this great scene where he's talking to the guards, where he pays them off, and this, oh, I don't know about that, you know, where he's just totally, really, really good, where he, where they cover, he covers the hammer with uh, the blanket so he could show the shrimp or whatever. Um, and he tells him this ridiculous story about how it's, you know, used as a, a like a, a Viagra-type, you know, drug or whatever. Um, like, that's Davos? Okay, cool. Now I know who he is. But what was the last five seasons of Davos? What? And why has he never used these skills before? I think allegedly... Well, the reason he's... The reason he's never used them before is because he's never—he's like you said—he's always been next to kings. Yeah, but they um, never have him he's do never, anything. Like he doesn't go and. Well, no, he advises. He, you know, he's he strategizes. I, I, but he's never been in a situation where he has to like, in a very Tyrion sort of way, like talk himself out of something, or yeah. um, you know, convince people of something. You know, I mean, he's definitely had those conversations, but they're usually with rulers and you know, like people like Stannis and Daenerys and Jon. Um, and he has to come from this position of like, well, you know, like you said, like I'm just a smuggler, but here's what I and think. And he says that all the um, time, but you know, at least now we have a little bit of. But yeah, it's it's cool to see him interact in a context where like um, he gets to more, he gets to kind of play up that aspect of himself and not uh, and not downplay it for in order to make his point. He gets to he gets to play that role. Let me put it to you. Let's put it this way, Stannis. That character arc is over. So we can say now definitively that Stannis is a very boring character, at least on Game of Thrones. Oh, yes. Insanely boring. <laughs> so would it not have been better to introduce Stannis by way of Davos, a character who actually continues to live and becomes important later, and have him smuggling or doing some smuggle-type thing um, before getting called on to be Hand of the King or something like that? Like, that would be how I would introduce these characters, you know, it's sort of like using Han Solo, a smuggler, to introduce, you know, very important characters like Luke Skywalker. But Luke Skywalker is not the character people remember in terms of, like, winning, like, like um, notable personality. 
right? It's Han Solo. And it just seems like that would be the logical way to sort of introduce the character. We're like, oh, right, that's where he comes from. So now when he keeps talking about being a smuggler, oh, it's like that time he did that, that we saw him do it in season two. Um, but anyway, fine. Season seven, I suppose, is better late than ever. Um, so yeah, so he goes and gets Gendry, which sort of out of nowhere. So this was a really funny reunion uh, in terms of how it was shot. I actually found it very sweet, but I like that it was sort of like a a 90s uh, intro credit sequence where he like turns his head and it's like, <laughs> it's Gendry! Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, well, it's cool, um, cool to see Gendry again, I guess. Everyone's been begging for Gendry to come back and I don't fully understand... Yeah, okay, what I was going to say the same thing. I've never really, I mean, they even make a reference to the joke about how, like, the last, everyone always says, oh, Gendry's still in that rowboat. Yeah, right. Because he hasn't shown up again, and they and they reference, which is cute, okay. Um, but yeah, I've never really, I mean, Gendry's really been never been anything more than a plot device. Um, he's a plot device in season one, because he's one of Robert's bastards, sure. and then he's a plot device when Stannis and Melisandre try to, try to kill him, try to sacrifice him. Um, so he's never, like, been a character um the most characterization he's ever gotten is in this episode and it's him like taking after his dad with the hammer mm-hmm. um that's it which is cool i mean i love that um <laughs> that was some great detail because i loved it especially because i don't think they bring it up i don't think they're ever like oh you you know your dad also used famously used a warhammer right, yeah um it's a which makes it a uh, again, see anyone writing. using a warhammer i don't like he's like the only character we've ever seen do it yeah again it's just history it's it's like it's a little. I mean, yeah, we never saw Robert fight, but that that was his weapon told, back when he. Yeah, did. they told stories about it that he caved in, you know, people's shields and stuff with the hammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no. I listen. I like Gendry. There's not even anything against Gendry. It's just like. Oh sure, yeah. He seems like such a random character to bring back in, especially since like the Baratheons as a house seem like a f- distant <laughs> memory, you know. Yeah, they've been gone forever. I mean, I guess they haven't technically been gone since last season when Tommen died, but, like, no one was calling him Tommen Baratheon. Right. Like, he was Tommen Lannister. Right. Come on. And um, also, I think the hammer has, it looks like it has antlers on it. Oh, that's, I didn't see that, but that's cool. It's got, like, like gold running up it, and it looks like antlers, but I could be reading into it. But, yeah, it looks, that's what it looks like, which is kind of, like, also completely giving it away, but whatever. <laughs> He's not even hiding. Yeah, not even close. <laughs> um, I do really like the meet, scene where he meets John. Um, that was great. That was yeah. really really good because it starts off where, of course, Davos is like, "Don't say anything," and then he immediately and he's like, "Yeah, no, I won't say anything," and then immediately tells him, um, which shows the kind of per- I think it's great because it's a it's again it's a show not tell sort of thing where he's like, "This is the kind of person Gendry is. He's not like a he's not a espionage type. But he's just very earnest, uh, well meaning, and." like good-hearted person probably the only like the most good person on the show since ned who was similarly good but at least um a little bit uh pessimistic about the world and like beaten down as a human um but yeah gendry doesn't have that yet because he's young um so yeah he's just like super positive and everything's great and he's like cool yeah let's go do it yeah fine sure um and I like his uh, little meeting with John, where they're both allegedly bastards. Um, yeah, I like that they the way they hit it off right away is really endearing. I do think, again, so they're going on this ridiculous plan, in which, by the way, John has apparently volunteered to go on, even though he's an extremely valuable part of 
everything that's going on. Uh, I guess maybe he doesn't realize that he's important, but he's still the king of the north. Like, why are you going beyond the wall in any way? And they point it out, but he just does it anyway. But not only that, he's also taking somebody who, even if you weren't important, is probably going to die and probably not of, in, of very little value in general um, in terms of combat when he should be making weapons in Winterfell of all the dragon glass they just got, obviously. Um, and he finds out immediately that he's from the Baratheon house, which there is, there's none of them left. So he's the last of his house in a way. And like, John's like, yeah, sure. Let's bring him along. Why, why would anybody say yes to this? Be a king. Say no. Say like, that's very sweet. We need you to stay at Winterfell or go to Winterfell. And then, and then when he's there, he would run into Arya and that would all be fine and well, but instead he's marching off beyond, beyond the wall for, again, reasons I can't really fathom. I don't know if this, if that, you know, was how you felt about it, but I just thought it was strange. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're really negative about this mission, and I think it's, I mean, it's it's kind of undeniably dumb, but I think it's like, it's not frustratingly dumb to me. Um, it is entertainingly dumb on a show that is often so self-serious. Yeah, I guess. I think somebody described it as sort of like an Avengers type. Um, yeah, no, that, that, I, that I thought was, uh, that I don't like <laughs> that seems to be how they they've uh they've assembled this little team to go beyond the wall because it's not even like ah oh, yes the greatest fighters on the show it's like well some of them are kind of just a random assembly of characters well some of them are um, well i mean what like okay john the hound and torment torment okay sure and i guess the uh uh what's his name has the flaming sword yeah and keeps coming back to from the dead so might be significant um, it, All right, fine. Is his flaming <laughs> sure. sword um, Lightbringer? No, but that is a weird inconsistency in the storytelling. Is that true of the books, too? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I, I, it, yes, I think his sword did light on fire in the books, but it, it was like kind of ambiguous uh, why that was happening. Mm. So w- one quick thing. I, my understanding is in the books, ice, the uh, sword, which I don't... Oh, it was melted down, right? And turned into... Yeah, into the... Yeah. The other two. Um, ice, the sword, was apparently blue in the books. Like, it glowed blue. And I just feel like the swords are supposed to look much cooler than they are in the show. Like, colors in general are very different in the books. Yeah. The oh, Targaryens are uh, supposed to have purple eyes and the... <laughs> I thought you were going to mention the greatest uh, fan theory in Game of Thrones history. <laughs> which is... <laughs> oh my god. Um, which is that Varys is, is a, a merman? Or a whatever? No, no, no. Even better. This theory is that at the, at the moment of um, his execution, Ned warged into the sword. Um, <laughs> and, that his, <laughs> and that his spirit still lives inside the sword. What? Yeah, it's my favorite. War. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, and it is it's canon by the way. No spoilers, but it is canon. This this kind of um <laughs> fan theories like that make me never want to write or produce any sort of story ever that will generate a fandom. <laughs> because it's so uh, whatever. Whatever gets people happy, I suppose, but wow. Oh, oh, it's so good. Um <laughs> 
So yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Then uh, they go up to the wall. Oh, well, we completely skipped in King's Landing. Um, Jamie and Tyrion, and then Cersei. And oh, Tyrion. Jamie and Tyrion, Cersei and Tyrion. Okay, so Jamie and Tyrion. So um, they have a very emotional meeting. I enjoyed this. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was um, a bit more reflective of their their respective characters. Um, yeah, I don't know. How, what, was there? Any, it wasn't much in this this encounter other than I like that. I mean, I like that Tyrion. Uh, they have. I mean, they haven't interacted since like the big thing that happened. But I like that Tyrion has a chance to like to defend himself for uh, killing Tywin because, um, especially in the books, like he spends in the books. First of all, it cuts off before he meets Daenerys. Um, the series cuts off, mm-hmm. um, but he spends like all of book five just like drinking and moping around about how sad he is about what happened. And it's just like, it's kind of miserable to get through. Um, so I like this moment because it gives him a chance to like justify. And you know what? I Frankly, I think he was more or less justified because it was like, he was about to be executed for a crime. He makes he a very clear, commit. yeah, he makes a very clear point. And that, and that Jamie now knows he didn't commit too. Right. Um, so it, it it is good to see that it's cool to see that conflict, especially in Jamie, who now knows that like Tyrion was kind of justified, and he's wrestling with that, and also his obviously his affection for his father. Right. I I think that's yeah. It's very, well, and also you know maybe also realizing that perhaps his father has been had been unduly kind uh, unkind to his brother for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as he had a good relationship with his father, it was sort of the opposite for Tyrion. Um. I also thought Peter Dinklage finally got to act for the first time in a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. About time. I mean, I guess the end of last episode, um, where he's watching Jamie make terrible decisions, and he had to really do quite a bit of acting. You know, apparently he was staring at tennis balls or something very far away, is <laughs> my understanding. Um, and he really had to sell the scene. Uh, he did a great job. I mean, he's, Peter Dinklage is a phenomenal, phenomenal actor, but. Um, in this one scene, he you know he gets very emotional. In one part, he's you know serious and resolute about his, what happened with his father and all the rest of it. And I just thought you know Peter Dinklage was is just underutilized in the show at this point. I think in the past he's had more to do, but now he's just it's kind of uh, it's a lot of standing. Again, the least interesting position for a lot of characters is to be an advisor. Yeah, because you just stand there and like you know occasionally quip in. Um, Advisors are never interesting talking to kings or queens or rulers, which is what they generally do. They're way more interesting when they're talking to each other or to other people. So, like, Varys and Littlefinger are always more interesting when they're talking to each other than when they were talking to Robert or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Or to Cersei or to Joffrey or whatever. Um, and it's the same It's the same in this case. Tyrion finally isn't, you know, engaging with Jon and Daenerys and, you know, back and forth on this whole thing. He's just being... So remember, we said Tyrion was getting sucked into Daenerys' boring vortex way back when, uh, and like elevating <laughs> yep. it to be like semi-interesting, um, and that's true. But like Tyrion on his own was always a more interesting character. Totally agree with so, you. and the, yeah, I, that's part of why I really like this scene. Yeah, I I did enjoy. It. I I don't know that we learned that much from it, but it's you know now now Jamie's got a little bit of perspective. Um, so. Yeah, uh, yeah, this was one of the two bombshells in the episode, uh, or one of the the big bombshells in the episode, which is that it turns out um, Cersei is pregnant. 
Yeah. Um, well, we've been talking all season about how why does why is Jamie staying, and now after all of that, he finally seems to have a compelling reason to stay with Cersei. But didn't originally, so it still doesn't exactly. Really make any but sense. now, yeah, retroactively, he has an excuse. Right. Um. So also, um, my concern is that they're either never going to let uh, Jamie go, like he's just going to go down with Cersei, or he's going to have to kill Cersei, maybe pregnant Cersei, in which case... Yeah, we've, we've talked about that in the past as a definite possibility. Which is just like, I don't need that, personally. You know, I don't need to see a pregnant person getting killed again. I think we saw it already, right? We saw it in the Red Wedding. Yeah. Um, I just don't need that in my life. Um, so what I'm hoping for is that uh, she does give birth, and that Jamie becomes single dad, and we get the adventures of Jamie single dad, which I think would be way more fun than uh, than him murdering his wife and. I don't know how much how much child. time we have left for that. As much as I would love that. <laughs> well, no, I mean. He would just, well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be nine months, but hey, listen, he, the baby could be born next episode at the rate they're going. That's um, true. The, the baby will be 20 years old by the time the White Walkers actually get to the wall. <laughs> so I'm not concerned about that. If they want to speed it up, they can. Um, I just think that we're going to get a really gruesome, horrible scene where Cersei's murdered and, you know, there's a baby and yada yada. And it's going to be really awful. Um, so as soon as that was happened, I, I could just see that it was going to be you know, anticipate the gruesomeness. Because uh, it's Game of Thrones, and it wouldn't be Game of Thrones if it wasn't, you know, unduly horrible. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, we have that in the future to look forward to. You see why I wasn't super down on this episode. Um, down for hmm. this episode. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, final, not much um, left here. Uh, I do like the idea, aside from Cersei in general, the idea of John uniting all these different people who don't particularly like each other to go and fight White Walkers. I think that's a good idea uh, conceptually because it's the kind of like micro, it's like a microcosm of his broader goal of uniting everyone against the White Walkers. So I, I do like that. Um, I also like that the Hound is, or I, well, yeah. Anyway, they apparently the Hound and all of them decided to immediately go to. By the way, there's only five of them. There's there was no other. I thought I I thought there there's were more. there's like six or seven, I think. Okay. Because there's John Gendry Tormund. Oh no, as a group, right, right. But but the Hound and that whole crew, there weren't very many left from the Brotherhood, I guess. They're like yeah, I think there were only five of them last time we saw them. Yeah. Okay. So I just I just realized that like the Brotherhood was a fairly large group, and then it, I don't know if they abandoned them or they all died or what. I don't remember that. Um, at all, but um, so yeah, I guess they decided to go straight for the wall after the Hound's vision, um, and uh, yeah, I I think that it's going to make for an interesting clash. I will say this: Did they prepare with any sort of dragonglass weapons or anything so that they could fight White Walkers, or are they just going to wing it? They didn't. They didn't show it. They didn't even make any reference to it. But hopefully, hopefully. You would think that that would um, that, that that would have come up again. That's why you stop by Winterfell, have you know, take the dragon glass there, have Gendry mm-hmm. beat out a few quick, simple weapons. They don't have to be complex. You don't need like a nice, beautiful thing. You just need it. But he's very good, and just quickly make a few daggers or something. Um, but nah, swing it. 
just whatever. Because we know for a fact that at the very least Gendry doesn't have one. He has a hammer that is not made from obsidian. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I suspect a bunch of them are going to die. I found a, um, a f- same friend of mine uh, passed on a really great uh, image, which I'll, I'll link out in the... Um, in the uh in the article but uh somebody labeled all of the members of this little group as like cleric undead knight knight ranger <laughs> barbarian soldier type of uh classes from an <laughs> rpg um the undead knight being of course uh, what barrack i think his name is yeah barrack dundara um and john's a ranger and barbarian is torment etc etc um so they really need a cleric um oh although i guess that's Thoros. that's why huh? yeah he's cleric he's in the back um, <laughs> there was another one that I was told about, but I didn't see, which has them all. It's the same sort of thing, except, you know, it's like Ranger level 80, you know, for John, this level 50, and then Gendry, like, <laughs> Warrior level 2. Um, which, you know, true. Um, I don't really know what he's supposed to do in this particular situation. I don't know why he was brought along. This is a highly specialized, extremely dangerous, absurd mission, and they've decided to bring along somebody who's never done any of these any of this before um and is also a fairly significant character like in the context of westeros but sure um so yeah uh i guess we'll see what happens next week i'm just not i'm you know whatever i was kind of down on the episode uh but um you know i'm looking forward to the show proving me wrong next week's directed by alan taylor um yes it is who's a sort of a classic um, uh, game of thrones director and it's called mm-hmm. he did, Death is the Enemy. Uh, yeah, right. Death is the Enemy. Um, which is, I, I, if, if you saw the preview for next week's did episode, that's just, that's just a line in the episode that I think Thoros says. Um, and I said last week that they were not revealing the titles of these episodes until the previous one had aired. Um, and I'm starting to think that's because they're coming up with them on the fly. Um, <laughs> because Eastwatch is not the name of... And is not the name of this episode because Eastwatch has basically nothing to do with it until the very end. And Death is the Enemy is just a line from it. <laughs> I think must have the names ready because, of course, that's what the HBO leaker people are leaking, I think. Um, so it must have been I mean, decided. But yes, it, is a, it seems a bit arbitrary at this point. I just, I don't understand anything about this. I suppose you could also say Death is the Enemy is like, you know, they're trying not to freeze to death. And also they're trying to fight the White, Walker, the White Walkers. Or they start bickering with each other and they realize that death is the real enemy or I, I don't know. Um but I don't watch the previous uh the uh the previews because I'm trying not to ruin in the past it has led me to completely ruin entire episodes, so I'm hoping that that doesn't happen again. So I have not seen anything for next week. Uh but I do look forward to discussing it with you then. Alright.